Welcome down to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf, powered by 4Golf Custom. Get your tour level custom fitting experience, zero tolerance build at 4golf.ie forward slash booking. Thank you to everyone who pressed play on last week's episode with Swift's Forge. Got some really good feedback there. And not a lot of people heard the echo that I did. So, well, we didn't get away with it. So the soundproofing of the studio still has to happen. Um, news, newsies. Uh, this week's episode has been two years in the making. And by that I mean, Mr. Carr is a very hard man to nail down. And I suppose that pays dividends to the amount of work he puts in with the business, the strike that we're going through with COVID, and just how busy they are on both sides of the enterprise with both um, the travel aspect of the business and the, the golf manage- well golf services site, uh, I think they call it. So really, really enjoyable uh, interview. I don't really like calling them interviews. I call them chats. So really good chat with Marty. Um, some really good stories. And yeah, a really good one uh, around eating beans on toast for months. That involves Alan Palmer. Okay, and now it's over to the part of the show that you guys own. The com, the executive committee section. This week's com brings you some comments and discussions from the Beyond Scratch private Facebook group. Um, that's a group I set up, looking for a group of people, like-minded people like me, who are looking to get better at their game, no matter what your handicap is. Um, so it could be the fitness side, could be proper practice sessions, you know, performance practice sessions when you're short on time and you need to get the most out of them. Right through to on-course games, you know, pre- pretending, you know, that you're, you know, three, you're, you're shooting a good score and you have three holes to go and you've got to maintain it. Stuff like that. You know, a bit of fun. And um, the main discussion is, that is it. Uh, this week was, people have three holes to go, four holes to go, they're on a score. It could be they're 10 over playing off 15 or it could be level power playing off three or four. And they just need to get it done, and and they're struggling to find out how how you can get how they can get it done. So we're going to organise a day soon, um, maybe the start of October, um, down in Cork, and uh, it's going to be fitness morning, a meal, a golf afternoon, and post round stats and how to do them and what areas of your game you might notice from the game of golf that day that you need to address. So if that's a bit of you, join the Beyond Scratch Facebook group. Some good discussions and comments going on this week. The first week of the group, actually. So yeah, if that's a bit of you, join it. And if that day of fitness and golf and learning what aspect of your game needs to be addressed, especially with the winter period coming up, now is the time to do it. Get involved. See you in the Beyond Scratch Facebook group. And now it's time for the interview, for the chat with Marty Carr. The reason you've pressed play. So roll it there, Colette. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Where's Joe Bradley? What do you think of that? Donald Donovan is the left quarterback. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. It's all on this. Marty Carr, are you ready to tee it up? I am. How are you? I'm great. Absolutely great. Never been better. If I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> there's, uh, there's enough cars out there. You're surely twins. One of them were being, or, or you were asked before, were you twins, are you? 
No, no twins in our family. No, no. How we're many all, brothers are all, there? There's got, a few of you out there managing different things. We've gray, we've all got grey hair now, so it's hard to tell us apart. Um, <laughs> there were uh, in our families of five boys and a girl. Unfortunately, we lost Jerry uh, about five years ago now. So we are now four boys and a girl, um, and uh, three of us remain involved in the golf. Uh, one of us is not really involved in golf, and my sister is a psychotherapist. I think trying, to, fig- had, trying, I, trying I, to figure out how men work with, with four well, she, well, she doesn't do she doesn't do family, but um, she uh, she certainly I'd say having five brothers, uh, you know, with ADHD probably uh, you know was probably a factor in her choosing that uh, uh, profession eventually. Come here to me. One of the questions I like asking first uh, in the podcast is, "What is your earliest memory of golf, Marty?" I guess my earliest memory of golf would be caddying for my mum around Sutton in a mixed foursome. So on Ladies' Day, when I was a little kid, pulling a trolley, and I could barely, I wouldn't make the nine holes, so I'd end up sitting up in the trolley, riding it like a horse. She'd pull me around. I'm not sure what age I was, but I was tiny. In fact, I remember I, did, I didn't do much pulling. I was doing more riding. So um, I think, uh, yeah, no, that would, that would be my earliest memory is, is, is out in Sutton, just across over, over the style. That's really yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice. One of my earliest memories is, um, I don't know if I've mentioned the podcast before, actually, is playing the pitch and put course in Liscanner. Do you know oh, Sandfield yeah. House? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty open, actually. Uh, if you know yeah. Thomas Meenan down the hinge, uh, I think he's the part of playing it. But uh, we used to go to Mass in Liscanner because the local church in Cliffernor just wasn't good enough. <laughs> uh, the Paris priest wasn't good enough. So we went to Liscanner, uh, and during the summer of Sundays, and none of my family play golf. No cousins, no parents, no uncle, no one. Um, but my father used to dip into the pitch and put with us. And I have two sisters and a, and a brother. And the youngest sister, she might have been four or five. And all I remember is on the first hole. And sure, no etiquette. We were standing everywhere. I was maybe 20 yards in front of her. And she hit her shot. And I was watching the ball. And next thing I get, pitching a wedge. <laughs> Decided to head. She'd let go. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was that's one of my earliest memories. Well, another another me- another memory another memory along those lines is uh, we used to have a house on the second green in Sutton, and uh, it was a huge big net. It must have been forty feet high or fifty feet high, which was no use anymore. Obviously, it was no use in those days. And I remember putting the milk bottles out one morning again as a little kid, and uh, a ball came over and smashed the milk bottles out of my hand, and I went crying into mum and dad, you know. So yeah, we 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 had a few we had a few collisions ourselves living on the golf course. On the car about car golf, the website, you've been welcoming golf travellers to Ireland and Scotland and, and other countries for over 60 years. Yeah, yes, pretty much. I think, uh, to, to be honest, I think the family have been welcoming golfers for that period of time. Car golf was set up about 33 years ago to kind of formalise that. But I think for years, Roddy worked for IMG in Cleveland. Uh, he was obviously you know, travelling on tour for 10 years and JB had spent a lot of time travelling in the States. and. Jody had gone to college in the States and constantly people asking about, geez, if we're coming over, what should we do? So there was an informal uh, uh, kind of a car service way before car golf was formalized. And I've lived in the States and came back. And so we formalized it really to try and charge for all the advice we were giving away. And I, 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 I took it, I took it onto the, onto the commercial side. So yeah, we've been doing it a long time, a long time. Yeah, advice and experience and, when I, I suppose the second question I like asking people 
uh, is, and the reason I asked this question is when I qualified as a mechanical process engineer or whatever in 08, 2008 was a great year, wasn't it? For oh, anything, brilliant. anything but business or, or getting a job. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the only reason I did that degree. I remember was, it well. I remember <laughs> it well. Oh, stop. Uh, the only reason I did that qualification was I wanted to go design golf clubs in Carlsbad. Right. Every summer I used to check up TaylorMade, Callaway, all of them in Carlsbad to see internships. And I never went, I never did the J1 uh, for whatever reason, a girl often got in the way. And I never went over. That's my one biggest regret, right? So the second question I generally ask is what was your compelling event, right? To, to go and, and commercialize and, and make put Caragov together. Well, I, I, I was kind of the black sheep of the family. By the time I was coming up, I was caddying. I was swimming in the pond and something looking for golf balls. And, you know, I was, I was certainly a dog's body. I went to boarding school, didn't play a lot of golf as a kid, went over the stage to college. Um, again, it was, it was 1980 and things were pretty, pretty crap. In, in, in Ireland, so I went off and I didn't have a very strong leaving cert, I'll, I'll be upfront about that. So I went off to college in San Same. Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, anyway, I spent, spent nine years in the States in total as a stockbroker in New York, came back to work for, for NCB, Dermot Desmond. And after about a year sitting at the desk in private clients, I just figured this wasn't for me. I'm just not a, a desk guy. I'm not a, I'm not a sales guy on the phone, you know, selling stocks and bonds. So I got into cahoots with, with, with a few chats of my brother and um, I, that was it. That was it. You know, uh, he, he had a few quid at the time and I had, I, I had a change of career in mind and car golf was born. Basically that was it. It was one night in Sutton golf club after a few drinks and we were sitting outside in the car and I said, I'm done. I'm, and so we hatched this plant and, and it actually started off by uh, identifying in those days, uh, there were no public golf courses in Ireland. So it was a very elitist sport and, you could play, you could get on the castle of the Grange, but it was Tuesdays and Thursdays between, you know, 11 and 1. It was very, very limited and very expensive. And we discovered that Fingal Candy Council at the time had earmarked, or Dublin Candy, Dublin Corporation at the time, or Dublin Candy Council, Dublin, yeah, Dublin Candy Council, had identified three sites for development with the GUI. So we approached them and we ended up developing public golf courses and then travel kind of followed as an add-on to that. So... There was no real master plan or business plan. It was, we should do something in golf, given JB's uh, legacy. Um, and let's do something in golf. And it was a clean sheet of paper and an evolved. It, started, it actually started off set, selling uh, uh, imitation ping golf clubs that Ben Dunn was bringing in from Hong Kong. <laughs> I think I sold the first, I better not say this, I never, so my first set to my father-in-law, who passed away last, uh, a couple of months ago, uh, for a hundred quid. And uh, I just, Pocket the cash. That was my first sale. On the quid. <laughs> Deadly. Uh, yeah. So look, you know, it's been a very interesting journey, um, and a lot of bumps along the way, but uh, you know, very satisfying. And it's an incredible space. You, you meet a lot of people. Uh, you have a lot of fun times. Uh, but you know, setting up your own business and, and, and getting it through the pain barrier, you know, it's not without its own set of stories. Absolutely not. Uh, something I I see a lot. I, I'd read and try and listen to high performance stuff and being leadership stuff and because it, it translates from trying to be a better golfer to being you know good in business there's a lot of parallels there uh indeed a lot of business happens still happens on the golf course would you believe yeah, well yeah. i'm sure you do believe right a lot of my friends don't believe it but it, but it does happen and one of those things is um you know you can do a nine to five and you'll give out about how much you work but the minute you start your own business you're 
doing something you love. You're working 24-7. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No question about that. No question about that. I mean, I remember being in Abbey Street. I'd rented a room off my brother-in-law upstairs and, you know, basically bringing four or 500 envelopes to this GPO and nickel stamps, uh, begging, beg, begging people to come to a final on some tournament in Waterford and posting them all off. And they got over and having about six pints to get rid of the taste of nickel the stamps. <laughs> I have a friend of mine, I'm actually meeting for a few pints tonight, and he had a little Fiesta van, and, and I had a Peugeot van, and we used to meet at the Sackville and compare war stories, you know what I mean? So, you know, it was fun times, though, too, you know what I mean? There was a lot of excitement, and we never knew where it was going to end. Um, thankfully, thankfully, it worked out quite well so far. You mentioned the, the father-son there. Was it the 30th year or the 35th year this summer? We had the thirty third uh, event this yeah. year, yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't. We actually, we actually held it through COVID. We actually ma- managed to find a gap in the hedge in in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. So we had a smaller event in twenty twenty for thirty for thirty teams, mainly Irish people who haven't played before. A lot of them, and then in twenty twenty one, we went to forty, and then this year it was back to full full metal jacket. So. It was it was a lot of excitement. It was like it was like a huge reunion of a lot. The Rolling Stones getting together, all these old guys kind of coming out of the woodwork to be locked up. A lot of excitement, good fun, good fun. You guys, uh, Cargoff and Car Family, run run numerous numerous tournaments like that. Where did that idea come from? Running the father son and and then also now the father daughter. The father when I was living in New York, I came back in nineteen eighty nine, and uh, but I met a man called Terry O'Neill. He was a small shareholder in Waterville. And uh, he used to own a load of bars in New York. At one stage, he owned like eight bars in Manhattan. So he was a great entrepreneur in setting up businesses, but he wasn't a very good one at running them and holding off them. So I think he had an ice cream parlor, he had a brewery, he had a bakery. He, had a, he, he just couldn't help himself. But anyway, he came up with that. He had a golf, he had a, he had a golf uh, tour operator company as well. And uh, he came up with the idea, he said, we should do a father-son tournament in Waterville. So we, we ran the first one, I think it was 16 teams. It was kind of rent a crowd. And then... Uh, he kind of disappeared off the radar and I just ended up continuing on with it. So it was really Terry and myself. It was Terry, Terry, Terry came to me with the idea uh, and I ran with it. So, uh, yeah, it worked out well. It was, you know, it's, it's, it's a big event. It's a big, like this year we had uh, uh, 92 teams from 13 countries. Um, people come from all over the world, you know, from Brazil and from, from the, the, the Emirates and, all over the world, from Waterville County Kerry. It's not the easiest place to get to, even if you live in Dublin, you know what I mean? <laughs> I so, go to Kerry every two weeks because I have a son down there and we go to Castle Island. Yeah. That's two and a half. And I still, it still took me, you know, 15 years to go the extra yeah. step to Waterville, you know? I know, yeah. And it's like, why don't I do this uh, more often? Because it was after talking to our mutual acquaintance, Matt Janella, yeah, uh, yeah. on this podcast. And I was like, I live in, like, in Ireland, like everywhere is within reach of a couple of hours, why haven't I played Waterville yet? So uh, I went down and played it and it's majestic. It's, uh, my, it number, majestic. it's my number two course uh, on the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it would be. It's one or two for me, that's for sure. Um, father, son, father, daughter. I was going to say the last kind of six, seven weeks have been pretty hectic for your good self. I've met you a couple of times the last yeah, six weeks. Yeah, yeah, there was the, father, uh, daughter for a week, father, son, uh, JP, the Open. I started with the JP McManus Pro Am, and I was caddying for Jenna. And I know you were caddying as well. And we met you there in the range, which was great. It was the best of both worlds. You were inside the ropes at what can only be described as the closest thing to the Masters you could ever get to with the, the course, the field, uh, and the crowds. I mean, it was fabulous. Um, 
and we, you know, I heard I was listening to your podcast on it, you know, in terms of that we played with DJ and McDowell, um, and both of them had gone to live. And you know, I would know Paul Casey very well, and uh, you know, hearing all the different perspectives, it kind of changed my view a little bit on it. I, I walked away feeling that the players probably shouldn't be as vilified as they are for taking the dough. I mean, McDowell was saying, "Well, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be." Uh, I'm going to be off the tour next year. So what am I supposed to do? And Casey's like, I'm 45 with a bad back. <laughs> what do you expect me to do? But hey, that was that was a hell of an event. And I, you know, particularly with Mijanella, my wingman, we had uh, we had some crack. And then we came up to Dublin and we opened up Sea Point. And then we moved on to um, oh, there's a little bit of noise in the background. You can probably hear somebody ringing the door. That's okay. Uh, I, I normally have a, a child in the background, and I tell yeah, them it's fine. There's something yeah, to care for. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> And then it was uh, went on from there to the Open Championship, the 150th Open Championship in um, in St Andrews, which was extraordinary. You know, we, we kind of based ourselves up at Rossax, and my brother Roddy came over, and that was extraordinary. Really, it was you know it was, it was probably Tiger's goodbye, and it was Jack's goodbye, and they had a ceremony for Jack in in Younger Hall. They had a ceremony there for Peter Alice, and it was like there's nothing like the Open at St Andrews. I don't care. Any event in the world, the, the, the British Open in St. Andrews is something everybody has to do. And then came back after that, and then we had the father and son, the link soul, uh, the father and daughter. And then I went off to the States to an outing up in uh, uh, National Golf Leagues, like two days after the father and son, which was like a hole in the head. And Seth Waugh has an I'd say you slept on that plane. You slept on that plane area over, I'd say. I did. And then I ended up going to Sand Hills, Nebraska, at the back end of that week. And uh, they're like you're talking about Waterville, but it seems to be that all the great, great places are very, very remote. Like, see, there just seems to be a relationship between the middle of nowhere and, uh, uh, you know, just class, uh, undiscovered, you know, hidden secrets. So, yeah, it's been a hell of a run. It's been a hell of a run. So uh, back at base now and uh, just going to take a bit of time and decompress and start planning for 23. Planning for 23 is right. I was going to ask a question about, you know, you've great partnerships and you've been involved with the Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, the Open Championship, as you mentioned. College football, college football is coming back. Huh? That's right. It's game this, game this Saturday. And then obviously next year we have uh, Notre Dame Navy, which will be, you know, a colossal one. I mean, last time it was the largest movement of people outside peacetime you know, from America. So <laughs> be a lot of golfers on that trip. There will. And I was going to ask, what... What part would would Caracalf have to play on that? Me is looking from the outside in. Is oh, it's it's facilitating trips and visitors to these yeah. events, or is there more to it than that? In terms of the football games, in terms of events like the Open and and um, and the football games and stuff like that. Yeah, well, we primarily run our own events to a degree. Uh, we like to kind of control the experience to the full. Um, things like the Ryder Cup or the Open are kind of a very expensive entry price, and you know I've learned through you know the pandemic. Um, a nine eleven with the Ryder Cup that you know and, you know the days of having relationships are great but I mean it's pounds bidding pounds shillings and pence on the table so you need to commit in advance and you know I mean certainly it's it, it, these events have unravelled you know so taking big big positions on on events you know is not without risk and the margins in our business aren't colossal so we kind of tend to create our own experiences uh, the football game in, in particular we're partners with Anthony Travel a very good friend of mine John Anthony. Um, I think uh, they're owned by On Location now. Um, so we've been working with them for 30 years. We, we tend to have very strong relationships, whether it be Buckley's and Killarney, or you know, we, we, you know, long relationships which are 
you know, there's no contracts or anything in place. So we do huge amounts of business with people, and it's it's a relationship based. It's far, you know, all of a sudden, it's it's not like that that much anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so so we would do the fulfilment for the golf piece of those big gigs coming in. So we would we would go to the clubs, we would book up the times and the hotels, and we would put the programs together. Whether it's benefactors, alumni, uh, students, and their and their families traveling. So. Certainly on the big on the bigger football games, we would we would be playing a large part. It's it's. I often wonder growing up because I'm. Some would say portly. Some would say I I hold weight well. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I often wondered what position I'd play in NFL. You know what I mean? Or who yeah. would I be in that high school scenario? So yeah. like, because I love all that. Like I love America, I, I, and I've only got in the last maybe five years. I've had numerous, like my first trip and numerous since. Luckily, with work, I'm going to take off either side, you know. Yeah, of course you do. Work Monday to Friday and, and try and get out in, um, in, uh, oh, what's the course? Links Old opened uh, in Auckland. I played there a couple of times and then at the Olympic Rarets. But is there much, I suppose, market for that for going the other way? Uh, for Carragall from maybe not Ireland, but we'll say EMEA, Europe. To well, we've, we've, yeah, well, there's a couple of things there. One is we've run uh, tournaments. To, to me, it's easier to probably set a defined date and defined experience. We've run a photo on Sun and Pebble Beach. We've run a photo on Sun and Pine, Pine, uh, Pinehurst. Uh, we're doing Sand Valley, actually, in about uh, five weeks' time out in Wisconsin. Um, but... You know, the, there's a difference with the American clubs is that you really can't commercialize them. I mean, you can't sell a group into Wingfoot or Pine Valley or Garden City. You can certainly get three lads on if you know them well and you get a member to host them. So commercializing the the experiences like in Port Marnock or the, or, you know, the comparative like Port Royce, you can't do it in the States. We, we, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the Ireland is, and, and, and Scotland have a, a unique uh, commercial element to these private clubs and that's what subsidizes our green fees. So no, we don't. And plus, the Irish would cut your throat for a fiver and then go and spend ten times as much in a bottle of wine. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all traders. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we're always yeah. haggling. And uh, whereas the Americans are prepared to pay for the experience and the service. So no, we we, we don't have a huge amount of Irish custom going the other way. Uh, we do we do a bit of bespoke stuff, obviously for for friends and contacts. And um, but no, no, we don't we don't really have any aspirations. I mean, certainly. Pinehurst and, and Pebble and some of the great resorts and, and heading off to Bandon Dunes actually Janella has an event called the Uncle Tony uh, where he has uh, 36 of his closest friends uh, playing every year so myself and Killian O'Dowd are going out I'm playing with John Ashworth and he's playing with uh, Riggs and, oh, yeah. uh, so we're going out to Bannon. my first trip out to Bannon. so I've never really had a reason to go there I mean it's why would you? Coming when you're here, talking about uh, remote, by all accounts, that seems to be exceptionally remote. Yeah, <laughs> <Is> yeah. <that? laughs> yeah I, we've only booked our flights as far as San Francisco, so I'm not quite sure what the, how we're going to get the rest of the leg. You're, you're not fully committed to the event just yet, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we're all in. We're all in. But I was, I was going. I, I asked that question about you know business to Americas from this side of the Atlantic because I think there's a shift in like Irish golfers anyway mentality uh, towards golf experience. Yeah. Like perhaps in a minority, but three years ago, it didn't even exist in terms of because everyone had turned around in May 2020 yeah. uh, after not playing golf for seven, eight months. And the only golf they could play was in Ireland, given restrictions. So they played the Trillies and they played the Lahinches and they played the American shift uh, for the first time in a lot of cases. And they realized, oh, my God, it's worth yeah. the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Some did golf Ireland uh, fees. Some did not. 
that's fine uh, in 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 my opinion um and i think a lot of a lot of i suppose i would say my generation we'd say under 40s are prepared to pay for the experience and, and some over that but to put a generational thing on it, i think so um so perhaps not maybe in the next one to three years but you might put it in your 10-year plan you know yeah to me to me it's probably more about access i mean you know in terms of you can certainly go you can we certainly book the, the resorts but in terms of getting on the private club you can't commercialize that so oh, oh yeah you're fishing in the resort pool or or the special category pool you know the, the mike kaiser courses or the yeah you know what i mean that kind of that kind of generation but yeah look i think i i just love playing golf in america i think it's an incredible experience uh, they do it so well it's not cheap i mean it's 500 bucks a day no matter what you do uh, but my god is it a you know is it a great experience you know unbelievable experience yeah. and it, yeah. and it would be it wouldn't be oh i'll play olympic and i'll play over. you can't play those places no, it'd be no. to the band and do to the resort to the bands to the pinehurst because they are like pinehurst especially is, is like, like they, historic they talk, they talk about us and hospitality but i mean nobody does it like the yanks nobody no i mean they're no. so hospitable they're so generous they're so welcoming but they always say, oh, you must come back and bring your friends. Like, you don't throw those invitations at the patio. <laughs> no. really, really, yeah. yeah, this yeah. is a word of warning, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, because uh, I spent a day in Meditacon, because my good friend is director of instruction there, Keelan Mack, and did, like, to, a Tommy Tiernan joke explains it perfectly, you know? Uh, you put an Irish person in, in a five-star hotel, and they're just uncomfortable with the level of service. And, and that's yeah. that's me yeah, from yeah, yeah. in America, you know, like my my shoes or I just put them under an old locker and sure. But when I came back and there was a steward in the locker room and he cleaned my shoes. Yeah. 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 So I came yeah. home. My, my wife says, do you buy new shoes? Yeah. As well. As well. <laughs> I was like, no, they were cleaned. I was like, yeah, well, the other one. like, that's the like, you don't even and they, and, they, and, they, and they probably changed all the spices. <laughs> Uh, no, like my, my high tops. He cleaned yeah. them, like the, the trainers I walked in with. Yeah. Um, they were spotless. They were nearly clear when I when I bought them. Like that's the level of experience you're talking about here. You know? Uh, but I mean it, it also the the, the, the paddies when you when you invite them in, they do take liberties. I mean, we were at the uh, at the open of St Andrews and, and uh, I met the Brazilian friend of ours who played the father and son, the Mazzoni family, Fabio. And he bought out. He bought an apartment in Hamilton Hall, which is behind eighteen, and there was a big stand in front of his apartment, so he couldn't see anything. We were slagging him, you see. And he said, "Look, we must come to the roof for a drink later on." I said, "Perfect, that's great." I said, uh, "Might bring one or two mates." And he goes, "Yeah, absolutely, bring as many mates as you want." Yeah. So he went out of the concierge and he said, "Look, I've invited an Irish friend of mine over, but two or three mates. Can you send a six pack of Heineken with some ice up to the roof, and they should be here about five o'clock?" So I was at the Peter Alice. Uh, 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 tribute uh, in Younger Hall, and I arrived. There were 35 people up there. I mean, I told Nick Mullen to come, but Nick had brought, you know, John Clark, and, and then there was, you know, Evo Driscoll, and then there was Matty had brought his crew. And but they were just laughing so hard, they could not believe where all these people were coming from, you know. And I said, Well, I only invited one or two, but every one of those obviously invited one or two as well. So but it's good crack, you know what I mean? They love they love the crack. And, and I mean, to, and Paddy's on tour, it's, it's the best selling we could do for Ireland and for Irish golf is send Irish guys off for the golf tour. And, you know, they bring back loads of loads of golfers with them. And who else would get away with it? I don't think the Germans would. No. Uh, no. <laughs> the body would be invited in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, I played nine holes this morning, as I mentioned, I think, before I officially press record. 
but it was mentioned to me, oh, like the club, like La Hinch, they're, they're doing something like three million in green fees I saw in the paper. And I just replied with, yeah, because it's three years in one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's like there, there's tours this year going out that were booked in 2000, like the, the back in 2019 for a 2020 trip. So the question is, how are you coping with, I suppose, the logistics and operations of that flood of people this year and, and, and also foreseen for next year? Look, I mean, I mean, my colleagues and, and the team in, in the office on the travel side of the business, you know, have been under huge pressure this year. I mean, 2019 was the best year ever. We were, you know, we were building new meeting space in the office. We were recruiting. Uh, it was honky dory. Bookings were, you know, the bases were loaded. COVID kind of blew through. And, you know, I mean, I've been in this business for 33 years and we've had 9 11 and volcanoes and foot and mouth and you name it, recessions. And, uh, but this was unlike anything we'd ever seen. All of a sudden, your revenues go to zero. You have a lot of client monies in your bank deposits. You paid out a considerable amount of money against that. Um, you have no idea if this is going to be two months, you know, six months, nine months, a year. Um, you know, we sat around. I, I, I have a leadership team, but I sat around. I said, okay, guys, I could just tell you one thing. This is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. So there's no point in all flapping around here. We just need to, so we basically spent three or four months just talking to clients individually and, and, and rolling the bookings forward and talking to suppliers and we talked to every single golf course we do business with. They were in the same boat. We were all rabbits in the headlights. But I mean, the Irish industry is very resilient and, and, and there is a lot of closeness in the relationship. So, you know, we moved everything to 2021. Uh, and we were still very, very worried because there was no new cash coming in. We let go probably north of 20 people. And the hardest thing in the world to do in terms of being your own business is cannibalizing a really good team that you spent years putting together. So that was the really hard part. You know, my colleagues did, did most of it. So, I, you know, they did the heavy lifting, my leadership team. And then I think the hardest part of it all, again, was, you know, rolling around to 2021. <laughs> and you had to do it all over again. And the one thing the team said was, you know, it's lucky we didn't know that it was going to be a two-year gig when it all started because I'm not quite sure you could have got through it. But at that stage, we were battle-hardened. So after two summers off, okay, the back end of 21 opened up a little bit and there was a little bit of activity. There was guys that were coming hell or high water. They were just, they, they were going to come here. They didn't care about quarantines or testing. Yeah. Um, but, but the good thing was that everybody, you knew everybody who was coming here wanted to come here eventually as soon as the doors opened. So most people were reasonable. And those that weren't, we just had to explain the fact of the matter that there was a complicated transaction system here that, that we were going to see. They're obviously worried about solvency as well. Mm -hmm. We were lucky that we had uh, a diversified business. Um, so actually, you know, we ended up rolling all of it forward. Uh, and then you had this insane demand on top of all that. So what's resulted in is basically, you know, there's not a tea time to be had anywhere. There's not a coach company to be had anywhere. You can't get a car rental company. You can barely get a reservation in a restaurant. You know, Caddies has been extraordinarily good this year and drivers have worked out really well. Bucky's done it and Cal Callahan's done an amazing job for us. I thought it was going to be because a lot of people just left the industry. You know, they just they just left and they went into software, they went into logistics, so they went into but it actually, you know, we're a very resilient industry. Um and and this year has been extremely challenging. We've got about six weeks to go. If you talk to anybody in this, we can't wait for this second thing to, to get the next six weeks out of the way. Um, 
but it's well earned and, and I'm really, really proud and excited of the experiences that were delivered given the constraints. Um, and yeah, I mean, next year is looking equally crazy. People, I think what's happened, what I've seen from customer behavior is rather than buying stuff anymore, people want experiences being locked up for two years. They're willing to spend money on experiences and travel. I don't really give a shit about the constraints or whatever. Um, but they really want to get out there and live their lives and live their experiences. And, you know, I think, I think irrespective of whatever economic clouds I'm talking about now with energy and war and all that, I think people next year will be a huge year. Um, and we always usually see a, a one year lag if there's any economic, but anyway, never a dull moment. Uh, but it, it was a really incredibly tough year for everybody. Uh, and those who stuck with it, you know, deserve all the rewards that they, they get, you know. Absolutely. I think, like I would have known it growing up, um, carrying a Lahinch in my teens and through to being an adult member, you know, the impact the golf tourism and the Americans and especially have on the West Coast of Ireland, you know. Yeah, and when yeah. you say they just remind me, yeah, it's not just car golf that, that gets their money, it's, you know, valued money. It's the bus driver. It's the bus driver's yeah. family. It's the rest, yeah. It's the 19th in Lahinch. Yeah. It's, you know, the cornerstone, Kenny's. The Kenny family, like it's every, it's every local community built around these places, you know, by default, um, get like, that's why they're there. That's how they yeah. exist. So, um, no, no, nobody does it better. You know, nobody does it better. And the industry really did play ball. I know, you know, we, we manage golf courses as well. And we maintain golf courses. And one of the big challenges was that members had to run of the place for two years and they were delighted with themselves. You know what I mean? And just you know, despite the, 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 the fact that the money chaps were turned off. Um, and they ended up playing twice as much golf. Like in our golf courses, members went from playing 12 times a year to 25 times a year. Uh, and now you have all these backlog of bookings, you know, on top of all the new demand. And, you know, as you can see, you know, we're expanding clients. Look, you've just got to tolerate some of the slow play because these clubs are trying to facilitate all these people who've been waiting a long time for these experiences. But I think there is quite a, quite a bit of tolerance, uh, quite a bit of acceptance. Probably not as much from the members as there is from the tourists, you know. So I think yeah. I think the industry's done an amazing job. I think a lot of the secretary managers deserve and the teams at the golf club deserve a lot of praise because you know they had a really shitty job as well. I mean, just moving stuff around for the last two years. Yeah, and staff and, and greenkeeping maintenance yeah. staff and everything. And and like I see it from both sides because I'm I'm a member, but I also yeah. appreciate the, the visitors because you yeah. know I, I I'm I'm a good high level over. Give me the high level information. Yeah, yeah. I'm that yeah, person, yeah. um, and I I like to have to step back. Like my fellow members, I mean, friends be giving out about just I can't get a tea time, and I'm like, yeah, but like, <laughs> but like the co the club uh, very close to not being f functional, you know, in '08 or '09, and this is twice as bad, and it's been managed incredibly well, you know, and that's been done. All around Ireland, in the Trillies and the Valley Bunions, and, and, and all of them, yeah. In, in that manage, and and someone I've spoken a bit about it is in is um you know Bert in Castle Rock, yeah, and yeah. and and you know Paul in in our glass, in in how do they how did because that was their issue up till they came kind of on the radar thanks to their marketing prowess, was managing you know local footfall members versus the you know. Not the money coming in, which, which facilitates growth of the club, which facilitates your practice facilities and improvement of the course. That's where the that's where that revenue goes to directly. You know, your member fee kind of covers. If you think yeah. about it, I pay like yeah. whatever it is, a grand. 
you know, how much is it to put, you know, to, to replace, to, to refill a bit of sand in a bunker once? Yeah. But a grand, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's incredibly expensive. So like, yeah. if you've only like seven, 800 members, like your members would be yourself barely. I think it's, I think it's one of the hardest jobs uh, uh, there is. I mean, it's, you are managing, you know, five, six, seven hundred bosses who are all entitled to get their little pound of flesh and their chat and the little complaint. You've got all the revenue side, but you've also got HR. You've got purchasing. You're, you've got you got to manage people. Um, you're dealing with, you know, fertilizer and fuel price inflation. You're dealing with catering challenges where you can't get staff. Like, but what was kind of a, you know, a handy enough number, I would say, in the old days, you know, has become a very complicated business proposition. Uh, and you know there, there are a lot of openings now, particularly around Dublin. I think membership yeah. clubs need to understand that that this job is not easy. Um, and you've got rotating people coming in and out. I mean, it's 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 you know the the the, the operating model for clubs is not necessarily ideal. No, and and, and, results, and many of them you know? are all some very of them, different. Some of them do it well, you know. Yeah, yes, very they're all very different. What I was going to say, the members. It's so yeah. It's so who's it? Uh, Greenkeeper. I was chatting to a few weeks ago, uh, I was getting a lesson on different types of grasses, right? But he said to me, the difference is I get complaints, I get letters in about this green and that green. And he said, it's very easy to summarize the whole thing. For members, it's their hobby. And they might yeah. see it once a week if they're avid. Yeah. For me, this is my job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So that, that kind of explained it really well for me at a high level, the difference in expectation, yeah. you know, he sees yeah, it's yeah. a long-term strategy, you know, get yeah. the golf course to a level, and members just want it, Augusta, like, yeah. on a Saturday morning. That's right, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you see all these golf courses with a little tree appearing here, a bunker, and they want to leave their little mark, you know what I mean? And, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. When, when you go back to the original designs, and you know, how did this happen over 20 years? Like, where's all this, where are all these trees coming from, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a gas story of, of a golf club. I won't mention it. But like every year, like cap, new committee, new captain, everything. So the captain leave his mark, like you said. And uh, about 15 years ago, captain said, we need more trees. So overnight, a truck from Quilcia apparently landed. And at night, they were planted as some backward agreement. And there was like 400 trees all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, like it's bonkers stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. You said you were working on next year and putting plans in place. Are you working on anything exciting, anything new, new tournaments or, new. or well, better well, we got the uh, well, we certainly got the football game Notre Dame Navy, so that'll be that'll be very interesting in building you know experiences around that. Uh, we're working on an event for Sea Point, which I can't really talk about. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk we, about that on launch day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, the Ryder Cup in Italy, uh, but basically just planning uh, a, a a course through the maze. I mean, the exciting is you know keeping keeping things going. We've got the team back up to full tilt now, and um, you know there's a lot of challenges in our maintenance business in terms of supply chains. You know, a lot of the fertilizers and chemicals come out of Ukraine and Russia, so and you can't even use a lot of it to the EU, isn't it? They've they've, yeah. they've like yeah. illegalized yeah. a lot of them as well. There's a lot of changes coming down the pipeline. So I think that's where, you know, a lot of the clubs are going to have challenges, both in terms of uh, price or, you know, commodity price inflation uh, and uh, some of these surprises that, you know, we, 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 were, we, got, we maintain uh, 22 golf clubs at the moment. And we would have done all our purchasing for 23. Uh, Ed would have completed that probably at the end of May, early June. 
um, you know, with, with, with our suppliers, you know, and we'd be the largest purchaser. So trying to get out ahead of it and get the deliveries in ahead of time in anticipation of significant inflation, taking a view on price. So they're sort of the challenges, like they're, they're not that exciting, but they're, they're the business challenges of actually Yeah, delivering. that's what keeps you up at night. And availability on the travel side, the availability of tea times uh, on the Lynx courses is an issue. So managing that and making sure that, uh, you know, clients are booking early enough because, you know, certain of the trophy courses uh, that have held big competitions are reducing uh, capacity now uh, to the public in terms of the members are squealing a bit. So they're not making as many tea times available. So you have a situation where you have soaring demand and you're reducing supply. And that was one of the reasons we got involved in, in the purchase of Seapoint, because we think it's like an art glass or a Duke's a little hidden gem uh, adjacent to Baltray. It's kind of undiscovered, it's underutilized. And uh, so that was part of it was trying to, trying, to, trying to get some control of the supply chain and uh, plus a good opportunity. So yeah, more, I was going to ask a question around, around like not the purchase of golf course, but like the maintenance of them, because um, it came up. Uh, a couple months ago, involved with a golf club about you know strategy and stuff, and it was the comment was passed right from from a non like yeah. I I would not pride myself, but I I'd like to think I know a bit about the ins and outs of the golf industry a little bit, yeah, uh, pure from chat to people like yourself and, and greenkeepers and stuff. And I was like, oh, car golf, so they'll come in, run it, and in three years' time they'll be gone, and you'll own nothing, right? Yeah. But my thing is like you mentioned there, the number of 22, 23 golf clubs that you help manage. So my question was going to be, of those twenty two, twenty three. Without the them taking Kargoff on board, in your opinion, how many of those would have closed if you weren't involved, especially with COVID having been thrown in there as well? Yeah, I, I think I think I'm not sure I can answer that question because I think you know certainly COVID held a lot of golf courses, um, uh, you know, show their best foot and, and probably papered over some of the cracks in terms of the structure and the systems, right? So our, our offering is all about putting together a very transparent structure and system to, to run the maintenance operation. And that involves, you know, uh, the amount of hours it takes to maintain a golf course. I mean, how big are the greens? How big are the tees? How do you cut them? So it's a man-hour calculator. It's all the inputs. Uh, and it's, it's basically a fee uh, for, for, for managing the process, the agronomic plan. And then there's all the, 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 the equipment maintenance in terms of uh, mechanics. Like we have the largest team of mechanics in the industry over and above all the equipment suppliers of any industry. So there's a lot of economies there and a lot of expertise there. And we have agronomists that go out and visit the club. So, you know, if the course wasn't up to speed, would it have closed? I'm not quite sure there's a direct economic impact on the open or closure of a golf course. But certainly in terms of the transparency of how you maintain a golf course, and um, we have not lost one close. We have not lost one client other than golf courses that have closed for, for alternative purposes. And um, we took a lot of flack earlier on, and we take a lot of negative publicity because we are, you know, at the cutting edge of a change in an industry, and people don't like change. So, but if you look at Fox Rock, Limerick Golf Club, one of the oldest golf clubs, Kildara, the oldest golf course in the country, Bratsala, um, Donabate, Corristown, Castlenock. You know, um, uh, you know, we're recently to getting into more mainstream membership clubs. They're all very, very satisfied with the continuing performance and uh, maintenance of the golf courses. So it's very transparent. The system, uh, there's one invoice per month to the club, not 
somebody sitting in an office taking in invoices on supplies and fuel and sand and fertilizer and salaries. We do all of that. So it's just it's just an alternative. And um, it's not a, it's not necessarily about cost saving. It's about actually getting better efficiencies and maybe getting a better standard for the same price. But, you know, it's it's we're 22. We're a long way from. 400 but look we're, we're you know, we've got we've got ed pettit has been doing this for 15 years we've got ian richie used to be the head briefing for pop arnick um andrew jackson and we were a really good team of people there um and you know the more data we get we use a very good computerized system the more data we get as you know as you were talking about the, the chemical changes and some of the eu regulations you know con- you know the training certs uh, we're all over all of that health and safety so it's a, it's a very safe pair of hands, and actually, if we're not doing a good job, we just don't renew. It's, it's actually it's actually better. It's actually Cleaner. better than having you know because if you if you if you have somebody who's not doing a great job, you can't get rid of them. Also, you can get rid of you just don't renew the contract. So, but thankfully, we've had nobody who didn't keep having kept us on. So. It's, yeah, it's an exciting that's, business. That's, that's the best. Uh, that's the best kind of referral you can get, isn't it? That type of thing. The best, the best, best thing for us in the world is saying, "Why don't you go out and play the courses and meet the, the greens convener?" And, and we'll give you a list of twenty courses. Go out and meet them all. All the experiences are uh, like there's some clubs now, which will remain nameless, that came to us from 2014, 2015. We go in and do an audit. We meet the team. We make a presentation. We put together the fixed price contract nature of it. And then they take it to an AGM or a board meeting or whatever, and somebody comes in and says, well, oh, those guys screwed up here or screwed up there, and it doesn't pass, and Jimmy's a great guy, and why do we want it? We're giving away control. And then four or five years later, they come to you again, and they go, nothing has changed. We brought in the consult. Nothing has changed here. We need to do it. And then, you know, they say, well, do you know what? The biggest mistake we've made is we didn't do it five years ago. But look, we're not the only game in town. There's other solutions. Some people do a great job. You know, we're just we're just a service that I think I think to be honest with you, it's 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 a big part of what a golf course is is the condition of the golf course. I mean, if you don't open the restaurant at certain hours, people get them. Like I think golfers are more transient now; they're coming playing golf and leaving. It's all about the golf course, so it's the most important asset. It's the biggest spend, and therefore it deserves a really good professional attention. So, you know, well, we're really happy with it. Uh, from the time you engage a club, it takes a very, very long time for clubs to get their head around it and sell it and, you know, be cajoled and get the assurances. And then maybe they run out of time and there's a new captain in that and then it's division. So it's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy proposition to sell. And it should be, it should be very, it should be far more compelling. It should be. I think, I think the transparency of it, it, it it's hard hitting because that's like in my day job, I'm Mr. Transparent. Yeah. You know, and like these are all the steps that we need to cover because in your interest, you need to cover them. Yeah. And I think a lot of members just don't understand the actual costs and variables yeah. and how adaptive maintenance and club, club management has to be. You know, they just think, I'll try a couple on Saturday and it should be yeah. perfect. You know, that's it. But they're also, very transactional. But you also look at some of the managers and some of the managers go, geez, I'll be giving up control. But actually, you know, they, they are getting complete and utter control. Um, you know, you're, you've got a man hour calculator that tells you exactly. You're, you're KPIing it. Six days. You're KPIing it. it. Yeah. So your man hour calculator takes you know, you know, eleven thousand hours to maintain this golf course because we've you know, and that requires X amount of staff and X amount of seasons. So either you're understaffed or you're overstaffed. In many cases, we'd say you actually are understaffed to achieve the goal that you want. Oh, we're here. To, we're not. We can't increase costs. Maybe we could find it somewhere else. Maybe you're. Maybe you're. 
you don't need to fucking do the overstanding program that you do every single year for the last 10 years, like, <laughs> because you do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe Look, you don't I'm need to spend tech- eight grand on stationery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not the technical guy, but all I know is that, that, that you know, the, te- the team are very, very good. And uh, it's, go- it's going great. It's going great. And uh, the proof is in the pudding, so. Absolutely. Marty, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Uh, this, I love it. I mean, like, it's, it's a bit more fun now at this stage that I've, I've kind of, I, I've got a higher level view on things now. I have a, a brilliant team of people, uh, four and four in the leadership team. We have about 80 staff in total now. Uh, and I remember having an American client over and I got lost. I was driving him from Fort Rush down to Dublin or we were lost from County Down down to Dublin. And I ended up missing a turn and got lost anyway. And he was to me like, you're supposed to be thinking. You know, we were driving down to Dublin airport and he said, uh, I've just come to the conclusion that any day you spend in the office is a waste of everybody's time. And that, that, that kind of that resonated with me, you know. So, um, you yeah, know, I, I kind of just kind of keep an eye on the opportunities and uh, I'm kind of more high level now. But, um, you know, look, you, you meet so many great people and you end up you know, having the luxury to visit with people you like and, you know, maybe avoiding people that you're not that fond of spending time with. I mean, I think, I think everybody who gets older kind of thinks like that too, you know. Um, but it's, it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous industry to be part of, it really is. Absolutely. Like, even since I started this podcast, it's like, yeah, Ireland is small, you know? Yeah. I'm from Kilfernora and uh, yeah, even then, I'm only one step away from knowing someone, someone knows. <laughs> even golf, Dublin, the, you know? the, the golf world is, is tiny. I mean, if yeah. you... The golf world is even smaller, the, globally, stand, it's even smaller. Stand, stand under the tree at Augusta, you know, during the Masters, you go to the PGA show. You know, we go to the AT&T every year. There's a, there's a posse of us. I mean, if you look at the AT&T, the Dunhill, and the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, I mean, those Pro-Am, you know, basically attract the top 0.001% of chief executives in the world who all love golf. You know, you know it's, 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 it's a really small little peak, you know, and uh, golf is a great way to, 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 to kind of hang out in that space. Absolutely. Especially to sell golf trips. <laughs> <laughs> Especially to sell golf holidays, yeah. Uh, Marty Carr, quick fire Q&A. These are the most important questions. Are you ready? Yes. What would your walk on song be? Uh, father and son, Cat Stevens. Jim or pizza? Uh, probably Jim, no. A pizza last night, mind you. <laughs> so did I. I was like, who's Jim? <laughs> <laughs> hat, visor or bucket hat? Uh, don't really like wearing hats, but I guess uh, visor. I'd have to send you one. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Uh, tin Cup. Walk or cart? Walk. Win the Open or win the Masters? Win the Open. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Play or practice? Uh, play. Good man. Uh, I added in this kind of scenario question. I don't know if you've heard it recently, uh, so I'm going to put it here. You're after day. We'll say you're after the last day of the father and son, or the day after. You're all soberish. You're after uh, the day after the father and son. You're planning dinner that evening, and you can have whoever, whatever, six people at the table with you. You're at the top of the table here. You have three people down the left, three people down the right. Who makes the cut? Uh, who makes the cut? I would say Arnold Palmer. They have to be alive. Alive, dead, fictional. You can have Harry uh, Potter at uh, it if you want. Uh, I've had Arnold Palmer story to tell you after this. Uh, Arnold Palmer, uh, J.P. McManus, uh, Warren Buffett. Um, 
Who else? No. There down the left. Good left. Yeah, Good left field. Left. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? My dad, um, Peter Keery, friend of mine, who we soldiered together for 33 years. And last but not least would be um, Tommy Tiernan. Go mad. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Palmer said you mentioned there. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I luckily, my dad was good friends with Arnie and... Uh, used to play uh, against Arnie and Jack in the practice rounds of the majors and he was playing as an amateur and they were, but anyway uh, I think it was 2000 what's it 2015 maybe and the Open was on at St. Andrews and there was supposed to be a champions three-hole tournament I think Seve was very ill at the time and it was cancelled so Arnie flew into Kinsale with his wife Kit and another couple and they said Roddy went down to meet him and my dad had designed the old head of Kinsale right? so really thrilled uh, because we've organised a lot of trips for Darnie and Kit uh, over the years. So they arrive and then my seven Roddy drive down into Kinsale and we see Arnie standing outside the Perryville house with a pink sweater over his shoulder, beautiful sunny day. And Mr. Palmer, Hawaiian Roddy would have known him to the IMG days very well. So anyway, long story short, we go to the old head and it's taken about two hours to get to the first tee, shaking hands, signed autograph, the whole place comes to a standstill. It's just, it's just, you can't, it's just phenomenal to watch. So we get the first tee anyway. And he's standing there anyway, and you know, he's a good old age at this stage now. And we're looking around, thinking this is amazing. And Arnie's here, and JB been looking down now. He's been very happy to have him here. And Roddy said, My brother Roddy says to him, Okay, Arnie, 50 50 50. And he goes, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm an old man. He says, Yeah, he said, But you played in all those practice rounds of all those majors, and we were on beans and toast for months afterwards, and I'm here to get it all back. <laughs> anyway, so we played nine holes of golf and uh, there was a squall coming in and Mitch Palmer, do you want to go on or do you want to go in? And uh, we went in and we had Guinness and oysters and we watched the Open and uh, spent a couple of days in sail with them and it was just phenomenal. But really, really, probably the most amazing you know character I've ever met in terms of his warmth, uh, his humour, uh, the nice little edginess there, but, but good crack. That little glint in his eye. Maybe you still have stories about him. What a man. That's deadly. That's that's really nice. That's that's gas. I'm here to get it all back. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Arnie had a putt for a for a power of the first, and he he looks over at Roddy, and Roddy looks up to heaven, and he goes, "No, in the hole, Arnie." <laughs> he missed him. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Funny. That's so great, Marty. Thanks so much for your time. It's been really really insightful. Yeah. Looking forward to meet you properly, not in the yeah, rain, exactly, so I'm trying to exactly, mind yeah. myself and, and stay yeah. low on the high grass in a day. There's Good no enough, high grass. Well done. Fair play, fair play to you. Do what you do. Take it easy. Take care. See, see you in Sea Point. Yeah, definitely. We get you up for a game. Absolutely. Be good. Yeah. See you. You may be sure I'll be going to Sea Point for a game. Um, even the mention that he can't really talk about it uh, has me intrigued. So I may venture up the LM1 there and see what's happening in Sea Point. Um, next week see that all behind like a red ticker tape or yellow ticker tape do not grab this lad and that'll be funny um, but definitely a great chat really really enjoyed chatting properly with Mr. Carr um, learning about the, the formation of the business and kind of generated out of doing favours for relationships in the States and built a business out of that all by it with you know his experienced brothers um, 
but yeah really really insightful and, and learned a good bit about the golf services side as well and fair play to him for answering that question i kind of put it to him <laughs> kind of put it to him a bit directly yeah which wouldn't be like me but um hopefully you got a bit of value out of this week's podcast um don't forget the old beyond scratch private facebook group if you are looking to get better uh, at your game especially over this winter time maybe you want to shed a few pounds like i am at the moment we're down five lads we're down we're down 5.7 pounds um so the the old american weight is shifting but if that's a bit of you yeah check out the old beyond scratch beyond scratch facebook group in the show notes below and tomorrow morning uh, sunday morning the sunday time sheet is out so hopefully you get a bit of value from that and uh, let me give you some feedback on that reply to it be a bit of crack all right until we teed up again soon I'm Paddy.